people don't really understand it until you actually see it coming at you in a wall of flame. Well, the fire itself is colossal. Flames have been reported to have reached 70 metres high. Everything is so dry here, and it's been drying out for, you know, two years. It's very, very terrifying. Huge blazes in the state of Victoria. The plume of smoke generated by the inferno covers five and a half million square kilometres. That's the size of Europe. That thick black cloud is now drifting towards New Zealand. The Amazon rainforest is being consumed by fire. In fact, there's an 80% increase in fires just over the last year alone. And this comes, of course, after the hottest July our planet has ever seen. Now, this isn't an act of God. It's farmers and ranchers intentionally destroying the land for more development. Though fires are common here in Brazil's dry season, climate scientists say this is far from the norm. Instead, environmentalists point to land raised at unprecedented levels as a new government encourages industry to develop the Amazon region. Overnight, the sprawl of more than 500 California wildfires surged in a relentless march of flames. Hardest hit, the north, where the state's largest fires are churning through wine country, incinerating homes, reducing whole neighborhoods to piles of rubble and ash. So far, the fires have scorched more than 770,000 acres, destroying more than 500 structures, forcing the evacuations of thousands. At least five people have died. It's just been fire after fire. I mean, it's crazy. The state's record heat wave also expected to continue after Death Valley recorded the hottest temperature on Earth earlier this week, 130 degrees. And unfortunately, all this heat, just more fuel to the fire. Home to hundreds of indigenous tribes, the Amazon rainforest is rich in wildlife and natural resources. Often called the lungs of the Earth, the rainforest supplies 20% of the world's oxygen. If it burns to a point of no return, environmentalists warn it could turn into a dry savanna and begin emitting carbon instead, plunging the planet ever deeper into a climate change crisis. The climate crisis affects our global ecosystem. There is no way to contain its impacts to the borders or boundaries of one region. Smoke from Australia's fires reach around the globe. The burning of the Amazon impacts the whole Earth. Some landscapes feel more impacted than others, but in truth, there is no place to escape the impacts of climate change. Around the world, people are experiencing extreme weather events. Stronger, more frequent hurricanes, wetter seasons resulting in mass flooding and devastating mudslides, dry seasons causing extended periods of drought and catastrophic crop loss, and hotter recorded temperatures that seem to increase each year. I'm Jessica Klinke. In this episode of One Foot in the Black, we look closer at how climate change is impacting fire behavior in the West and how we're living through an era of mega fires. 
We talk to fire professionals and climate scientists about the increasing intensity of fire behavior and ask the questions, how are we going to manage fires in the era of climate change? And what does climate adaptation look like in the context of fighting fire or preparing for fire season? In the middle of August 2020, amid the COVID pandemic and one of the hottest recorded summers in California's history, more than 90 fires erupted in one day after more than 20,000 lightning strikes torched landscapes across the state. 4.2 million acres burned that year in California, which is more than 4% of the state's nearly 100 million acres of land. 85% of the state's counties experienced a wildfire that year. According to Cal Fire, by the end of California's 2020 fire season, 33 people lost their lives and 10,488 buildings had burned. While 2018 was a more deadly fire year than 2020, mostly due to the disastrous campfire in Paradise, California, 2020 was the most destructive in terms of acres burned and structures lost. 2020 was also the year that many of us became familiar with the term fire complex. A fire complex is a wildland fire term for when multiple fires from different ignitions join together. The complex is then treated as one incident where interagency resources are combined and strategy shifts to cover the whole area rather than tackling each individual fire. There was the CZU lightning complex that raged through the wild and urban interface of the Santa Cruz Mountains, destroying nearly 1,500 homes and structures. The SCU lightning complex that burned nearly 400,000 acres in the East Bay. The LNU lightning complex that burned in the Napa and Sonoma regions that have seen so many fires in recent years. And the August complex California's first gigafire, burning over a million acres in the northern coast range across six counties from August 16th until November 12th. We are truly living in the era of megafires. Hey there, Jessica again, producer of One Foot in the Black. This podcast is one of the many ways the Klamath Siskiyou Wildland Center engages in the issues of fire and climate. As a nonprofit advocacy organization protecting the wild places of Southern Oregon and Northern California, KS Wild is dedicated to bringing you science-based information on issues impacting our forests, waters, wildlife, and climate. And we depend on the generous support of people like you to accomplish this meaningful work. If you'd like to learn more about our programs, or how you can become a sustaining member, visit kswild.org. Thanks. Now back to One Foot in the Black. While the August complex was just one of over 9,000 fires in California that year, the sheer scale of this wildfire is unlike any other. The August complex is the largest fire complex in recorded California history. I'm Alexi Lavecchio. And I'm Joseph Vale. By the time the fire was extinguished, the total size of the August complex was over 1 million acres, an area that is larger than the entire state of Rhode Island. 
A fire over 1 million acres in size is known as a gigafire, 10 times larger than the 100,000 acre plus megafire. We spoke to firefighters and climate scientists to get a better understanding of how climate change is influencing fire behavior and leading to the large fires that we are seeing today. I'm Mike Beasley. I am one of the founding board members with Firefighters United for Safety, Ethics, and Ecology. That's FUZ. And I am a retired fire manager with about 30 years experience fighting wildfires. Like many wildland firefighters with a lot of firsthand experience, Mike knows that climate change is playing a large role in increasing the scale and intensity of wildfires. In the past decade or more, there has been a noticeable increase in the size of fires, which many attribute to climate change. According to the Union of Concerned Scientists, since 2015, the United States has experienced, on average, about 100 more large wildfires every year than the year before. There is a lot of regional and annual variation, but in general, there are more wildfires, more acres burned, and longer, more intense fire seasons. Scientists attribute the marked changes in the fire environment to climate change. Firefighters are also taking note. It's just obvious that the climate is creating unprecedented fuel dryness in the middle of the summertime. In Mediterranean climates, every summer is a drought. You go from June, May, June till October with no rain. And that is just getting exacerbated by the climate signal. It's hotter and it's drier. And you have these runs of 110 degrees plus in Fresno for a week or 10 days straight. And the uh, both dead and down fuels and the live fuels just are more dry than have ever been recorded in the past because of this heat. But the droughts continue through winter and decrease snowfall and rainfall. Tim Inglesby is a wildland firefighter and executive director of FUSI. Along with climate change comes these extreme weather events, the lightning storms that are increased uh, by the atmospheric conditions and east wind events. East winds are a natural phenomenon, usually localized, usually in high elevation areas, you know, right over the crest of mountains. That Labor Day firestorm here in, in Oregon, that was a, a continental-wide climate-driven event. Those east winds were blowing from British Columbia to Baja, Mexico. And here's Chris Chambers, Wildfire Division Chief for Ashland Fire and Rescue. The weather pattern that lined up is, is the same weather pattern that we, we see in the news called the Diablo winds or the Santa Ana winds in California. It's a, a wind that blows from the east, from the, the warm, hot, dry uh, deserts into towards the coast. And it gets funneled through topography that actually accelerates the wind moving down slope towards the ocean. And that's that pattern we don't see very often. It occurs here mostly in the fall. We don't get it as normally and as strong as we often see in California on more, on more like an annual basis. But that indeed was the forecast. So 30 to 40 mile an hour winds, gusts even higher, uh, relative humidity down in the single digits, which is a big driver of fuel being ready to burn. It's just the moisture is just being sucked out of all the vegetation and even out of the houses themselves 
as potential fuel for the fire. Many scientists and firefighters have been telling us that climate change is leading to a drier landscape. And that is going to mean larger, more intense fires. But climate change is not some far off futuristic theory. The effects of climate change are now occurring. The question is, how do we adjust to this new reality? We are at a really rough spot right now. And unfortunately, all forecasts point to it getting even more difficult in the coming decades. It's, it is overly safe and, and really undeniable to say that we find ourselves well into the era of climate change already. That should probably come as no surprise. Thinking back even just the past five years, if anybody's lived even 10 years in the Rogue Valley, thinking about 10 years ago, we used to have summers that didn't have a lot of smoke in them. Yeah, had occasional smoke, but the last five years are really unprecedented for the level of wildfire smoke. We know that fire is a natural phenomena and it is necessary to many of the Earth's ecosystems, but climate change is tipping the scales. We spoke with Dr. Jessica Halofsky, a scientist and director of the Northwest Climate Hub with the U.S. Forest Service, to learn how climate change is affecting wildfires. Climate change affects fire in, in a couple of ways. The first is that it, it affects fuels. So it mainly affects how dry fuels are and how available they are to burn. And that it also affects fire weather. So when we have more, we have warmer conditions, very low relative humidity and dry fuels, those conditions are, are more conducive to fire. So we have more extreme uh, fire weather and conditions that lead to more fire and larger fires, more extreme fires. Drier landscapes produce drier vegetation, making fuels more available to burn than ever before. This not only affects the scale of fires, but also the severity of fire. Fire severity is the impact the fire has on trees and other vegetation. When we have large areas, very dry fuels, very low humidity, under those conditions, whenever there's an ignition, we're going to have fire spread. So we're expecting there to be more area burned. I think there's also more potential for extreme fire weather, which leads to more extreme fire behavior. So when you have those, again, large areas of very dry fuels, but also extremely dry conditions, very low relative humidity and winds, when you get the winds in there, that's when we can see more extreme fire behavior. One of the worrying things is the, is the intensity of fire. You know, fire's been on the landscape for thousands and thousands of years. As long as there's been vegetation, there's been fire. But what's, what's worrying now is the increase in really high intensity fire. And that's leading to some really severe ecosystem changes that um, are starting to appear. Conversion of forests to shrub and grasslands, which has a real uh, negative feedback in terms of being able to store carbon on the landscape and loss of species, patches that are high severity, that are growing in size, and the same species that grew there can't grow there anymore because seeds can't even disperse over that large of an area. So that's really concerning from an ecosystem perspective. When the landscape and environment of a region changes, it also affects the community, the people living there. Climate change-induced fires are affecting our social values, such as water and our way of life. When you layer on top of that, the social values that we have 
for uh, our forests and our landscapes, providing water to people. That's going to be one of the big areas, and that's really a concern of Ashland because of our watershed right above town, is both the change in precipitation in the era of climate change, changing from a steady precipitation, building a snowpack to really sporadic vegetation and lessening snowpacks over time. That's our summer water supply. And trying to envision how are we gonna maintain water for our city in, in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, it's a head scratcher to say the least. That is not unique to this area across the West water is going to be a very significant challenge, not only for communities, of course, but for aquatic species as well. We'll be right back with more from One Foot in the Black. Do you want to learn more about ways to protect you, your family, and your community during fire season? Check out KS Wild's Forest and Fire Toolkit. This one-stop shop of resources has most of what you need to know about living rurally and in the forests of the Klamath-Siskiyou region. Check it out and download a free copy at kswild.org. In his article, Welcome to the Pyrocene, environmental historian Stephen Pine states, The Earth's fire crisis is not just about the bad burns that trash countrysides and crash into towns. It is equally about the good fires that have vanished because they were extinguished or no longer lit. The Earth's biota is disintegrating as much by tame fires' absence as by feral fires' outbreaks. Coined by Pine in 2015, the Pyrocene is marked by humans' increasing use of fire and our transformation of how and what we burn. Our dependence on burning fossil fuels, paired with the lack of intentional burning to manage biodiversity and ecosystems, leaves humanity vulnerable to fire that runs out of control through our wildlands and our communities. Much like the Ice Age, Pine's Fire Age shapes our landscapes. It grows to shape how and where we live. As we learned in earlier podcast episodes, we have transitioned from societies that intentionally burned biomass on the surface of the earth to societies that excluded fire and criminalized fire by indigenous people. Globally, we now have a relationship with a different kind of fire, industrial fire. We unearth ancient fossil biomass and release it as gases at a stunning rate. This industrial fire powers our global society, but it comes at a cost. Through burning vast amounts of fossil fuels, we are altering the chemistry of the planet. The climate and the earth systems are adjusting. We are witnessing shrinking glaciers, rising seas, and longer, more intense heat waves. Hotter temperatures are having rippling effects on wildfires. Nearly every state in the West has seen its biggest wildfire since the year 2000, and scientists say that the fire season is 80 days longer now than it was in 1970. There are a lot of challenges ahead of us and it's, it is really a different world uh, that we live in right now. And it, I have kids that are early teens, and I feel bad for thinking about how I grew up in Ashland and what I experienced life here as a kid growing up versus their experience, which sending them off to school in masks routinely, but not just because of COVID, because of smoke. That No, nobody ever did that growing up here in the 70s and 80s and 90s. 
And now it's just like a fact of life. The, the school district is building in smoke filters to buildings because that's the future. It's sobering to really come to terms with that rapid environmental change that we're experiencing. Moving forward, we're going to have to adapt, and so is the way in which we use and relate to fire. I think we still have time to really help reduce a lot of the negative effects of climate change. And I always am an optimist and see a lot of hope in people paying more attention to this topic and really starting to do things on the ground. And so there's a lot to be optimistic about. The only thing that might prevent the worst impacts of fire on the landscape is more fire. Until we as a society embrace that paradox. Until we begin to accept fire as much as we fear it, we're going to continue to lose too many battles against climate-charged wildfires. It's counterintuitive the way we're going to be able to, to survive climate change and the fires of the future is with more fire, not less. And that's more fire guided by human hands, employing the best of our science, some incredible technology we have that allows us to steer fire, shape fire, predict where it's going to go and what it's going to do. We can work with that knowledge and reintroduce fire from whatever source. More frequent fire makes ecosystems more stable. Keeping fire out as long as possible until the inevitable happens, that makes them very unstable. With climate change now, we have this rapid shift in instability. The same things may not come back after a fire. They might have in the past as part of a cycle, but they may not come back the same way because the conditions are so different. Climate smart approach is any that is consistent with actions that would increase resilience or resistance to changes to climate change or to help a system transition to new conditions. Basically any kind of adaptive action. Given our, our development patterns, people building further out into wildland areas as, as cities fill up and people spill out into areas that are even more prone to fire. If we're not smart about it and understanding how to live with fire, the consequences are, are disastrous. We, we already see that happening and it's accelerating quickly across the West, especially. People really have to take it to heart that this is not the place that we're used to living in. If you've lived in a place for several decades, you experience that as how you have lived in that place for several decades, but that is not the future. The future is vastly different from our experience, and using our experience to inform how we behave in the future is probably not the way to think about living in the West these days. It, it is about adaptation, changing the way that we live, getting used to a lot more smoke in the air, hardening our homes and using vegetation around homes that is not flammable, also that does not suck up a lot of water uh, so that we preserve our water supplies for human consumption as, as well as for firefighting. As we have learned in the previous episodes of One Foot in the Black, Wildfire is as essential as rain to many ecosystems on Earth. Fire has been a keystone ecological process contributing to life on this planet for over 420 million years. Humans co-evolved with fire and indigenous tribes all over the planet maintained a beneficial relationship with fire. In fact, 
Our very survival depends on societies all over the world enabling tribes to regain their ability to burn on their ancestral lands. To quote Pine again, we can manipulate fire directly and indirectly. We can't ice. We survive ice by leaving. We survive fire by living with it. If at times it seems our worst enemy, it is also our best friend. We can't thrive without it. Our history has been a story of how we and fire have co-evolved. The same holds for our future. On the next episode of One Foot in the Black, we talk to scientists and policymakers about what it's going to take to change our relationship to fire on the landscape. We discuss several wildfire bills that have been introduced, both on the state and the federal levels, exploring the solutions to the wildfire crisis in the West. One Foot in the Black is a production of the Klamath Siskiyou Wildlands Center. This episode was written by Joseph Vale, Alexi Lavecchio, and Jessica Klinke. Editing and sound design by Jessica Klinke. Music provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Dean Hahn for additional editorial support. A big thank you to our guests featured in this episode. Wildland firefighters Mike Beasley and Tim Inglesby from Fusey, Firefighters United for Safety, Ethics, and Ecology. Chris Chambers, Ashland District Wildlands Fire Chief, and Jessica Holofsky from the Northwest Climate Hub. Links and resources for topics covered in this episode, including links to the cited articles by Stephen Pine, are available at kswild.org podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and review One Foot in the Black on your preferred podcast platform. It helps people find our show and makes us feel good about doing it. Thanks for listening to One Foot in the Black.